Chapter Two of the Bothy of Topernafuisich by Arthur Clough. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Morn, in yellow and white, came broadening out from the mountains. Long ere music and reel were hushed in the barn of the dancers. Duly, Matritan bathed before eight, some two of the party. There in the morning was custom where over a ledge of granite, into a granite basin descended the amber torrent. Duly, their two plunges each took Philip and Arthur. Duly and Matutine bathed, and read, and wished for breakfast. Breakfast, commencing at nine, lingered lazily on to the noonday. Tea and coffee was there, a jug of water for Hewson, tea and coffee, and four cold grouse upon the sideboard. Cranberry jam was reserved for tea, and for festive occasions. Gaily they talked as they sat, some late and lazy at breakfast, some professing a book, some smoking outside at the window. Neath an aura soft pouring a still sheeny tide to the zenith. Eusen and Arthur, with Adam, had walked and got home by eleven. Hope and the others had stayed till the round sun lighted them bedward. They, of the lovely Aurora, with these of the lovelier women, spoke of noble ladies and rustic girls, their partners. Turn to them Hewson, the chartist, the poet, the eloquent speaker. Sick of the very names of your lady Augustus and Floris am I, as ever I was of the dreary botanical titles, of exotic plants, their antitypes, in the hothouse. Roses, violets, lilies for me, the out-of-door beauties, meadow and woodland, woodland sweets, forget-me-nots and heart-seas. Pausing a while, he proceeded anon, for none made answer. Oh, if our high-born girls knew only the grace, the attraction. Labor, and labor alone, can add to the beauty of woman. Truly, the milliner's trade would quickly, I think, be at discount. All the waste and loss in silk and satin be saved us, save for purposes truly and widely productive. That's right. Take off your coat to it, Philip, cried Lindsay, outside in the garden. Lindsay, cigar-loving hero, the piper, the dialectician. Take off your coat to it, Philip. Well, well, said Hewson, resuming. Laugh if you please at my novel economy. Listen to this, though. As for myself, and apart from economy wholly believe me, never I properly felt the relation of man to woman. Though to the dancing master I went, perforce for a quarter, where a dismal quadrille, where good-looking girls in plenty. Though, too, schoolgirl cousins were mine, a bevy of beauties. Never. Of course you will laugh, but of course all the same I shall say it. Never, believe me, revealed itself to me the sexual glory, till in some village fields, in holidays now getting stupid, one day sauntering, long and listless, as Tennyson has it, long and listless strolling, ungainly, in the hobbity boyhood, Chance my eye fell aside on a capless, 
bonnetless maiden, bending with three-pronged fork in a garden uprooting potatoes. Was it the air? Who can say, or herself, or the charm of the labor? But a new thing was in me, and longing delicious possessed me. Longing to take her, and lift her, and put her away from her slaving. Was it to clasp her in lifting? Or was it to lift her by clasping? Was it embracing, or aiding, was most in my mind? Hard question. But a new thing was in me. I too was a youth among maidens. Was it the air? Who can say? But in part was the charm of the labor. I was too awkward, too shy, a great deal, be assured, for advances. Shyly I shambled away, stopping oft, but afraid of returning. Shambled obliquely away, with furtive occasional side-look. Long, though listless no more in my awkward hobby of boyhood, still, though a new thing was in me, though vernal emotion, the secret, yes, amid prudent talk, the unimparted, mysterious secret, longing, the growing distress and seldom dishonor of boyhood, recognized now took its place, a relation obelis unto others, though now the poets, whom love is the key to, revealed themselves to me, and in my dreams by Miranda, her Ferdinand, I sat unwearied, though all the fuss about girls, the giggling and toying and coin were not so strange as they had been, so incomprehensible purely. Still, as before, and as now, balls, dances, and evening parties, shooting with bows, going shopping together, and hearing them singing, dangling beside them, and turning the leaves on the dreary piano, offering unneeded arms, performing dull farces of escort, seemed like a sort of unnatural up-in-the-air balloon work, or what to me is as hateful a riding about in a carriage, utter divorcement from work, mother earth, and objects of living, as mere gratuitous trifling in presence of business and duty, as does the turning aside of the tourist to look at a landscape, seeming the steamer or coach to the merchant in haste for the city, Hungry and fainting for food, you asked me to join you in snapping. What but a pink paper comfit, with motto romantic inside it, wishing to stock me a garden. I'm sent to a table of nosegays. Pretty I see it, and sweet, but they hardly would grow in my borders. Better a crust of black bread than a mountain of paper confections. Better a daisy in earth than a Delilah cut and gathered, better a cowslip with the root than a prized carnation without it, that I allow, said Adam. But he, with a bit in his tooth, scarce, breathed a brief moment and hurried exultingly on his rider, far over hillock and runnel and bramble, away in the champagne. Snorting defiance and force. The white foam feckling his quarters, rain hanging loose to his neck, and head projected before him. Oh, if they knew and considered, 
unhappy ones. Oh, could they see, could but for a moment discern, how the blood of true gallantry kindles, how the old knightly religion, the chivalry, semi-quisotic, stirs in the veins of a man at seeing some delicate woman, serving him, toiling for him and the world, some tenderest girl now, overweighted, expectant, of him, is it? Who shall, if only duly her burden be lightened, not wholly removed from her, mind you, lightened, if but by the love the devotion man only can offer. Grand on her pedestal rise, as urn-bearing statue of Hellas. Oh, could they feel at such moments how man's heart, as into Eden, carried anew, seems to see, like the gardener of earth uncorrupted, Eve from the hand of her maker advancing, a helpmeet for him, Eve from his own flesh taken, a spirit restored to his spirit, spirit but not spirit only, himself whatever himself is, unto the mystery's end, sole helpmate meet to be with him. Oh, if only they saw it and knew it. We soon should see them abandon boudoir, toilet, carriage, drawing-room, and ballroom, satin for worsted exchange, grass to Naples, for Lindsay Woolsey, sandals of silk for clogs, for health lackadaisical fancies. So feel woman, not dolls. So feel the sap of existence. Circulate up through their roots from the faraway center of all things. Circulate up from the depths of the bud on the twig that is topmost. Yes, we should see them delighted, delighted ourselves in seeing. Bending with blue cotton gown, skirted up, overstriped Lindsay Woolsey, milking the kine in the field, like Rachel, watering cattle, Rachel, when at the well the predestined beheld and kissed her, or, with pale upon head, like Dora, beloved of Alexis, comely, with well-poised pale, over neck arching soft to the shoulders, comely, with gracefulness act, one arm uplifted to stay it, Home, from the river or pump moving stately and calm to the laundry. A, doing household work, as many sweet girls I have looked at. Needful household work, which someone, after all, must do. Needful, graceful, therefore, as washing, cooking, and scouring. Or, if you please, with the fork in the garden uprooting potatoes. Or, high-kilted, perhaps, cried Lindsay, at last successful. Lindsay, this long time swelling with scorn and pent-up fury, or high-kilted, perhaps, as once at Dundee I saw them, petticoats up to their knees, or it might be a little bit higher, matching their lily-white legs with clothes that they trod in the wash-tub. Laughter loud ensued, and seeing the tutor embarrassed. It was from them, I suppose, said Arthur, smiling sedately. Lindsay learnt the tune we have all learnt from Lindsay. For, oh, he was a roguey, the piper, oh, Dundee. Laughter ensued again, and the tutor, still slightly embarrassed, picked at the fallen thread, and commenced a reply to Hewson. There is truth in what you say, though truly much distorted. These, I think, no less than other Igarcis, 
cloy one. Still there's truth I own. I perfectly understand you. While the tutor was gathering his thoughts, continued Arthur, is not this just the same that one hears at common room breakfasts? Or perhaps Trinity Wines, about Gothic buildings and beauty. And with a start from the sofa came Hobbes, with a cry from the sofa. There where he lay, the great Hobbes, contemplative, corpulent, witty, author forgotten and silent of Kernis phrase and fancy, mute and exuberant by turns, a fountain at intervals plain, mute and abstracted, or strong and abundant as rain in the tropics, studious, careless of dress, and observant, by smooth persuasions, lately decoyed into kilt, an example of hope in the piper, hope, antinuous mere, hyperion of calves the piper, beautiful, he cried, upleaping, analogy perfect to madness, oh, inexhaustible source of thought, shall I call it, or fancy, wonderful spring, at whose touch doors fly, what a vista disclosing, exquisite germ, ah no, crude fingers shall not soil thee, rest, lovely pearl in my brain, and slowly mature in the oyster, let exquisite pearl they were laughing, and corpulent oyster, ah, could they only be taught, he resumed, by a pugin of women, how even churning and washing, the dairy, the scullery duties, wait but a touch to redeem and convert them to charms and attractions, scrubbing requires for true grace, but frank and artistic handling, and the removal of slops to be ornamentally treated. Philip, who speaks like a book, retiring, pausing, he added, Philip here, who speaks like a folio, Sayest thou, Piper? Philip shall write a book, a treatise upon the laws of architectural beauty and application to women. Illustrations, of course, and a Parker's glossary pendant. Where shall in specimens seen be the scullony, stumpy, calmnar, which, to a reverent taste, is perhaps the most moving of any? Rising to grace of true woman in English the early and later charmingest still fulfilling the richer and loftier stages. Lost ere we end, and the lady debased, and the lady flamboyant. Thence, why in satire and spite too merciless onward pursue her? Hither to hideous close, modern florid, modern fine lady? No, I will leave it to you, my Philip, my pugin of women. Leave it to Arthur, said Adam, to think and not to play with. You are young, you know, he said, resuming to Philip. Young you are, he proceeded, with something of a fever to housen. You are a boy. When you grow a man, you'll find things to alter. You'll learn to seek the good, to scorn the attractive, scorn all mere cosmetics, as now of rank and fashion. Delicate hands and wealth, so then of poverty also. Poverty truly attractive, more truly, I bear you witness. Good, wherever found, will you choose, be it humble or stately. Happy if you only find, and finding do not lose it. Yes, we must seek what is good, and always it only. 
not indeed absolute good, good for us, as is said in the ethics, that which is good for ourselves, our proper selves, our best selves. This, if you find in another, desert not, whatever you call it. Call it likeness of souls. Call it anything else you fancy. Perfect response, if you please, to what would in us be most perfect. Answer most searching, to what in ourselves is profoundest and shyest. If you find in another, desert not, wherever you find it. Happy if only you find, and finding do not lose it. Ah, you have much to learn. We can't know it all at twenty. You are a boy, as I said. When you grow a man, you will say so. This is the answer he had from the eager, impetuous Hewson. Yes, I say it now. I know I'm young, and know, too, how the grown-up man puts the youthful instinct, learns to deal with the good, but what good is, discerns not, learns to handle the helm, but breaks the compass to steer by. In the intuitive, loses far more than his gain discursive. Or in the lingo you love, the lingo emphatic of Alric, gets up the form syllogistic, ignoring the premise in matter. Well, he spoke, Adam rose, sat again, and dropping his eyelids, bowed his head into his hands, and rested his hands on the table. So for a minute he sat, the one first minute of silence, looked up at last, and laughed, and answered, speaking serenely, speaking serenely, but still with the moisture about the eyelids. Trelay, queer fellow is Hewson, forbidding him choose good only, thus to upbraid me with years, chill years that are thickening to forty. Nay, never talk, listen now. What I say you can't apprehend. No, you are looking elsewhere. You will not ever, I fancy, till you ignore your premise, repairing the loss by a new one, till you discard your compass, if not for instruction in steering, yet to purchase a better and pay, I suppose, for the purchase. So much in reparte. But let us return to the question. Partly you rest on truth, old truth, the duty of duty. Partly on error, you long for equality. I, cried the piper, that's the sore place, the confounded Agalte, French manufacturer. He is the same as the Chartist who made the address in Ireland. What? It is not one man, fellow men, as good as another? Faith, replied Pat, a deal better too. So rattled the piper. But undisturbed in his tenor, the tutor, partly in error, seeking equality, is not one woman as good as another? I, with the Irish answer, yes, better too. The poor, better full off than richer, than loftier, better the lower. Irrespective of wealth, and of poverty, pain and enjoyment. Women all have their duties, the one as well as the other. 
Are all duties alike? Do all alike fulfill them? Is it to these we must look? And in these we are not on a level. Neither in these, nor in gifts, nor attainments, nor requirements. However noble the dream of equality, mark you, Philip, nowhere equality reigns in God's sublime creations. Star is not equal to star, nor blossom the same as blossom. Herb is not equal to herb, any more than plant to plant. True, that the plant should be rooted in earth, I granted you wholly, and that the daisy in earth surpass the cut carnation. Only the rooted carnation surpasses the rooted daisy. There is one glory of daisies, another of carnations. Foolish were budding carnation, and gay potere by greenhouse. Should it decline to accept the nurture of gardeners give it? Should it refuse to expand to sun in genial summer, simply because the field daisy that grows in the grass plate beside it cannot, for some cause or other, develops and be a carnation? Would not the daisy itself petition its scrupulous neighbor? Up, grow, bloom, forget me, be beautiful, even to proudness, even for the sake of myself and the other poor daisies like me. Rooted in earth should it be, carnation alike or daisy, that I grant and refer to you, Shakespeare, on gillyflowers, where in the winter's tale Latonis Perdita questions, education and manners, accomplishments, refinements, waltz, peradventure, and polka, the knowledge of music and drawing, all these things are nature's, to nature dear and precious. We must do something man, woman alike, I own it, yes, but woman and man and lady and gentleman is not lost, extinct. It lives. If not, God help them, change them. We must all do something, in my judgment, do it. In our station, independent of it, but not regardless. Holding it, not for enjoyment, but because we cannot change it. Ah, replied Philip, alas, the noted phrase of the prayer book. Doing our duty in that state of life to which God has called us seems to me always to mean when the little rich boys say it standing in the velvet frock by mamma's brocketed flounces eyeing her gold fastened book and the chain and the watch at her bosom seems to me always to mean eat drink and never mind others nay replied adam smiling so far your economy leads me velvet and gold brochet are no wise to my fancy Benefit of trade, I see, is mockery, vile, and delusion. Nay, he added, believe me, I like luxurious living. Even as little as you, and grieve in my soul not seldom, more for the rich indeed than the poor, who are not so guilty. Ah, replied Philip again. But as for the rest of the story, truly I see a good deal in the daisy carnation fable, though I should like to be clear what standing in the earth means. But as you said to me when this long discussion started, there's truth in what you say, though I don't quite understand you. So the discussion ended, and Arthur rose up smiling. Now quoth he, that Philip daren't bully you more. It is my turn. How will my argument please you? Tomorrow we start on our travel. 
and took up hope the chorus. Tomorrow we start on our travel. Lo, the weather is golden. The weather glass say they are rising. Four weeks here have we read. Four weeks will we read hereafter. Three weeks hence we'll return and revisit our dismal classics. Three weeks hence for just our vision of classes and classics. Farewell ye, meantime, forgotten, unnamed, undreamt of, history, science, and poets. Lo, deep in the dustiest cupboard. Thuck ye did, O Loris's son, Helimosian, here lieth buried. Slumber in the little and Scott, a musical shaft of old Athens. Dishes and fishes, bird, beast, and sesquition, blackguard. Sleep, weary ghosts, be at peace. Abide in your lexicon limbo. Sleep is in your lava for ages, your Herculean kindred. Sleep in for aught would I care, the sleep that knows no waking. Aeschylus, Sophocles, Homer, Herodotus, Pindar, and Plato. Three weeks hence be it time to exhume our dreary classics. And in the chorus joined Lindsay, the piper, the dialectician. Three weeks hence we return to the shop, and the wash-hand-stand basin. Three weeks hence unbury Thickside and Harry Aldrich. But the tutor inquired, the grave man nicknamed Adam. Who are they that go, and when they do promise returning? And a silence ensued, and the tutor himself continued. Early remains, I presume, he continued, and Hobbes and Hewson, Lindsay and Arthur and Hope, to verify black as a quorum. Answer was made by him by Philip, the poet, the eloquent speaker. Early remains, I presume, was the answer, and Hobbes, pre-adventure. Tari, let Early, may fairly, and Hobbes, brief-kilted hero. Terry, let Hobbes and kill it, and Early abide in his breeches. Terry, let these, and read, for Pindaras, a piece, and it like them. Weary of reading am I weary of walks prescribed to us weary of ethic and logic of rhetoric yet more weary eager to range over heather unfettered of gilly and marquise i will away with the rest and bury my hairy toddle and to the tutor rejoining be mindful you go up at easter this was the answer returned by philip the pugin of women good are the ethic ethics I wis. Good absolute, not for me, though. Good too logic, of course, in itself, but not in fine weather. Three weeks hence, with rain, to prudence, temperance, justice, virtues moral and mental, with Latin prose included. Three weeks hence we return, to cares of classes and classics. I will away with the rest, and bury my hairy toddle. But the tutor inquired, and the grave man nicknamed Adam. Where do you mean to go? And whom do you mean to visit? And he was answered by Hope, the Viscount, his honor valet. Kit Kat, a Trinity coach, has a party at Drummond Row, up on the side of Loch Ness.
in the beautiful valley of Urquart. Mainwaring says they will lodge us, and feed us, and give us a lift too. Only they talk ere long to remove the Glen Morrison. Then at Castleton, high in Bremere, strange home with his earliest party, Harrison fresh from the schools, his James and Jones and Lauder. Thirdly, a Cambridge man I know, Smith, a senior wrangler, with a mathematical score hangs out and in very. Finally, too, from the kilt and sofa, said Hobbes in conclusion. Finally, Philip must hunt for a home of the probable poacher, hidden the braes of Lochbar, and the bothy of what did he call it? Hopeless of you and us, of Gillies and Marquises, hopeless, weary of ethics and logic, Cato uprooter. Study the question of sex in bothy what did he call it? End of chapter 2